Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20. And here we begin with some parables. You know what a parable is? I think just to make it simple, a parable is a comparison that uses, it's a a story form that uses illustrations from everyday life to, uh, what, to bring out a spiritual lesson or a moral lesson. So it uses illustrations from everyday life in order to to, um, make that application in our spiritual lives. So Jesus is beginning to speak in parables here, and the very first one is the parable of the sower. Mark 4, verses 1 through 20. And again, Jesus began to teach by the sea. A great multitude was gathered to him. So he got into a boat, sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and ate it up. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root in it, withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, Immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones who are sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. The desires for other things entering in choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on the good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. So yeah, I'd like to focus just on those 20 verses in a, in a brief way, mind you. But first of all, you'll, you'll see it's divided into three parts. The parable itself, where Jesus is speaking to many, many, many people. And then he separates from the multitudes his own disciples, a small group of followers. And then he explains why he's speaking in parables. Okay, you notice that it's just to his disciples and the followers And he wants them to understand exactly what's being spoken. You begin to see a division 
uh, among his people here. With that in mind, I'd like to uh, yeah, focus on really the, the 20 verses that's before us. Springtime, it's here. Lots of rain, no doubt. But you begin to see farmers going out into the fields and planting their seed. You go to the Vendikens, the onions, I think, are in the, in the fields, right? It's planted. And any farmer, any farmer, ask them what they hope for. What do they hope for? They hope for a crop. They hope for a harvest. They want the seed to sprout. They want it to grow. Because in that seed is what? Life. Right? It, it explodes. There's an explosive power of life within those seeds. But you know, mar- farmers also face many obstacles. Ask any farmer about frustrations. They know it. Disease, insects, weeds, lack of rain, too much rain. You see something similar here. You have the parable of the sower. Who's the sower? The sower is the one that has seed in his hand and he casts the seed over the ground. The sower here is Jesus. Okay, the seed? What is the seed? The seed is the life-giving word of God, right? Full of, explosive with life, right? There's life in the word of God. And who's the soil? The people, the hearts of the people. So Jesus is a sower, remember that? The seed is the word of God, and the soil are the people. And in this parable, Jesus describes various responses that he has been receiving to his message. And there's many. It helps us understand why some people don't believe it, why some people walk away from it, and why in others it just takes root. He gives the reasoning behind it. And it helps us understand why today, sometimes in the church, suddenly people walk away from Christ. Why? Where in others, it just takes hold of their hearts and bears fruit. Jesus knows all about it. He's experiencing, he's experiencing the obstacles, the frustrations himself. Think back to Mark chapter 2 and 3. Opposition is growing against Jesus. Many want to destroy him, kill him. We saw that with the Pharisees. And now the the, the scribes are saying he has a demon. Why? Why is there such intense opposition to Jesus? Well, others are believing. And now Jesus comes, you could say, to a new phase in his ministry. There are those within the house of Israel that are rejecting him, among the covenant people of God, who are rejecting him, while others are embracing him. And because of that, Jesus says he's now going to teach in parables. Verses 1 and 2. You see what Jesus is doing? Again, he's by the sea. And you can imagine some sort of a a rise in the ground from the sea. So there's almost like a a theater there. Uh, Multitudes and crowds and crowds of people just listening to Jesus. There's so many people. 
that he ends up sitting in the boat, and the boat becomes his pulpit, and he's teaching to them how. Now he's teaching to them in parables. He taught them many things by parables, says verse 2. Now before we get into the parable, really, really important we understand why. Why is Jesus teaching in parables? And he answers that question in verses 10, 11, and 12, after the multitudes leave. Because he knows they don't necessarily have the kinds of ears to hear. And now he explains the why to his disciples and to his other followers. And if you look at 11 and 12, it's very clear. He talks about to you, that is to disciples and the followers. And he talks about those who are outside. To those. To you to those. There's a division within the house of Israel. There's a division within the church, you could say. A division within the covenant people of God. He says, to you, he's looking at his disciples, he said, it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. Mystery, don't think of some sort of secret uh, thing of the other religions. No, it's not that kind of thing. It's, it's to them it's been given. To you, Jesus is saying, it's been given the, the mystery of Christ. Christ has been opened up to you through his word. It's been revealed to you. That's the sense here. It's like when Peter, right? When he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What did Jesus say? This has not come by flesh and blood, but this came from my Father in heaven. That's why you can confess this, Peter. That's the sense here. Now Jesus is saying, to you, the mystery of the kingdom of God has been made known. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. For what purpose? Lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Wow. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus teaches in parables so that those whom he wants to understand, will understand to you, he says. But those who don't want him, he says, they will remain in the darkness. And he puts his seal on that darkness, his stamp on that darkness. You could say God blinds the eyes of those not willing to come to Jesus so that they won't perceive so that they won't understand. He's king. You don't want him, then you won't see. Think of it this way. The parable of the sower is like the cloud. If you go back to Exodus 14, remember the cloud that was above the Israelites and the Egyptians in the Red Sea? It's like that cloud. Remember the story there? That same cloud. So one in the same cloud that brought darkness to the one, that's the Egyptians, and it gave light to the other, the Israelites. The same cloud. The Israelites were delivered. The Egyptians were drowned. The only difference here is, this now is occurring within the church. This is occurring within the house of Israel. This is occurring within, among God's people. In this parable, the Lord Jesus guarantees a harvest through the spreading of the word of God 
in spite of all the obstacles, in spite of all the hindrances and opposition. And therefore, you see Jesus coming here with authority as king. He addresses his people, and he begins by saying, listen, listen. Moms and dads say that to their children sometimes, too. Listen. But here the king of the church addresses all of us. Listen. Listen. It's a very strong command here. Jesus says, I want your ears. I want your full attention. I want you to hear. And here he's saying this in front of all the multitudes, all the people. Are they going to have the kind of ears that Jesus wants them to hear with? You know, sometimes as parents, we talk to our children and we say, now listen, did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know that they didn't listen because they didn't do it. It just sort of went on one ear and out the other. But when Jesus says, listen, he says, listen and act upon it. He says, I want your full heart. I want your full mind. I want you with me. That's what the sense of listening here means. And what we're going to see here is two types of hearers, two types of listeners. The first three can be categorized as unfruitful listeners. Right? Uh, yeah, unfruitful. The second kind is fruitful. The fruitful kind. And if you look at verse 3, he begins with the parable. We'll just simply go through the parable first, and then we'll get into its application he says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Who's the sower? Again, it's Christ. And all those who represent Christ, those who are the ones who spread the word of God, they're the sowers. And Jesus here uses the image of a farmer. And in those days, a farmer would take a bag of, of wheat seed or in a, in a pail, and he would put his hand in, and he would just take the seed and cast it wherever. didn't matter where. Indiscriminately. No discrimination. Just see. Just casting it everywhere. He makes no distinction as to where the seed may fall. And if you look at verses 4 and 7, some of the seed falls along the edge of the field on a hard footpath. Sometimes on the edge of the fields, that's where the people would walk. And you have enough people walking on that path, it becomes very, very hard. Well, some of the seed was cast on there, sown on there, but it really didn't enter the ground because it's way too hard. And the birds come and take the seed away. And then Jesus mentions that some seed was cast on stony ground. Now, from the visible eye, you can't see the stones because it was a kind of field where you have maybe a shallow layer of soil and under it, there was some sort of a limestone very hard. So it's not very deep at all. Some of the seed was thrown on there, cast, cast on there. It germinates. It sprouts right away. But when the sun comes, it scorches the plants because the roots just can't go any deeper. And eventually it just withers away. So the first seed is eaten. The second seed, the plant just eventually just withers away. And then Jesus mentions some seed that also fell in thorny soil. Again, didn't necessarily see the thorns or the thorny bushes, but 
Perhaps they were, the land was tilled already, but in that, in, that, in that land there were roots of thorns that were still under the ground. It was not properly uh, taken out. So they're still there. The seeds of the thorns are still in the soil. And the grain begins to sprout, but so do the thorns. And they grow faster than the wheat. And what happens to the wheat? It gets choked. Right? It's gagged. It can no longer bear fruit because the thorns take over. So the first seed is eaten up because the path is hard. The second seed uh, withers away because the, 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 the soil is so shallow. And the third seed is uh, taken over by thorns and eventually choked so that it bears no fruit. But all of them are fruitless, you could say. They're, they're unfruitful uh, seed-bearing seeds or fruit-bearing seeds. So what's the problem here? Is the sower the problem? No. The sower is working hard. And he's spreading the seed. So the sower is not the problem. Well, how about the seed? Is the seed the problem? No. The seed is good seed, good quality seed, and is cast everywhere. What's the problem? The problem is with the soil. That's where the problem is. That's where the fault lies. The fault lies with the soil. And that's where Jesus leaves the parable at. And even the disciples are saying, huh? What's he saying? But Jesus knows that they're willing to hear and they're willing to hear more and they want to understand it. So he pulls them aside. And in verses 14 through 19 explains those first three kinds of hearers. Jesus says here in verse 14, the sower sows the word. He spreads the word. And according to Hebrews 4, a lot of people don't profit from the word because... They don't mix it with faith. They don't mix their hearing with faith. And the problem is not with the messenger who brings the word of God. That is the messenger who brings the word of God in truth. The problem is not the word of God. The problem is with the people, with the soils, with the listeners. And Jesus here mentions three kinds of, you could say, unfruitful listeners. You could say the hard hearts, the shallow hearts, and the thorny hearts. Hard is what? Sucked. Hard hearts. Shallow hearts. So not deep. And the thorny hearts is the charai, is it? Tandia. The ones with thorns in it. Let's look at briefly. Let's look at each of these briefly. The heart and the first kind of hearer is hard, really, really hard. And here Jesus has experienced that with some of the listeners. Think of the Pharisees, right? They had the word of God, the scribes, the priests, the high priests. To them, it was like seed that just fell hard on the hard pathway. They hear the word, but immediately Satan comes and takes away the seed because it was never 
penetrating, it did not penetrate into their hearts. What you see here is those with hard hearts, they're cooperating with Satan. How are they cooperating with Satan? By treating the word as if it's not important. As if it's not to be respected. And they might blame the messenger. They might not like a certain message. But really, the problem is with their own hearts. That's what Jesus is saying. The heart is hard. There's no receptivity to the word of God. The heart in the second kind of unfruitful hearer, his heart is such that he doesn't really count the cost of following Jesus. It's like some in the multitudes. They were excited about what Jesus could do for them, but were they ready to carry the cross? die to themselves and obey him and follow him even to death if necessary? Wow. Jesus says they're the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. In other words, they follow Jesus but only for a time. Temporarily. Because the word of God doesn't take deep root in them. When hardships come, when hardships come because of their faith in Jesus, they stumble. They go back to their old life saying, this life is not for me. It's too hard. And they see the cross that they are called to carry. They don't want that. They don't want that. And what do they do? They let go of the crown. They say, forget it. I don't want this life. And they do not see the crown that awaits them in eternal glory. They let it all go. By giving up on Jesus, they give up on salvation. They give up on the crown of life. You know, Jesus here is speaking about those who think that following Christ means that you have endless rounds of spiritual excitement. But when it comes down to the the depth of obedience and living by faith and obedience to Christ, no, we, we don't want that kind of Christianity. We want easy Christianity where we can do what we want. But it's too much otherwise. That's the second kind. The third kind of unfruitful hearer is the one with a preoccupied heart, verses 18 and 19. These are the ones sown among the thorns. They hear the word of God, but other things in life have priority over Jesus. It has priority in their hearts, not Christ, not Christ first of all, but other things. And Jesus mentions them, the distractions of this world, the riches of this life and the desire for other things. You know, I always think of people in North America. Many people think that North America is the place to get rich. I've seen so many families, including families from our background who have come from the Netherlands, the children have just given up on Christ, have given up on the church. 
because they saw that the priority in their parents was not, first of all, Christ, but was, first of all, money. And it killed them. The thorns took over. And it crowds out Christ so they have nothing to do with Christ anymore. And the next generation, no Christianity. God. These are the thorns. These are the things that choke a Christian to death. That choke the word in their lives. Think of Judas, the closest disciple of Jesus. How he betrayed Jesus because he wanted 30 pieces of silver. He said, I'll give up, Jesus, if I can have 30 pieces of silver. Think of Demas, a close friend of Paul. He says, forget it. I like the world way better. He loved the present world, and he rejected Christ. Yeah, money, money. That's something that comes first for many believers today, too. It's a struggle, isn't it? It's not to say that none of us are. We all struggle with those kinds of things, other things that take priority. But Jesus here is talking about the one who finally says, not you, Christ, but this thing has priority in my life. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. It's either Jesus or money. You either love the one, hate the other. Either you're loyal to the one or you despise the other. You can't have both. Israel understood that. They couldn't have one foot in Egypt and one foot in the wilderness with God. As one or the other. What oh, Jesus is a strong teacher here. No wonder he says, listen, listen to his hearers. These three soils represent three kinds of unfruitful hearers. And you know what? That's not to say we don't have those temptations and those poles. We do, don't we? Um, it ought to teach us that those forces, those influences, they also are at work in us to kind of balk against Christ and his word. You could think of those three soils, first of all, as Satan. Second one is our own sin. And the third one is the world, right? Sin, or sorry, Satan, sin, and the world. The three powerful enemies against Christ at work in our hearts and lives. Yes. It's always a good occasion. It's always a good occasion to examine our hearts and... That's what Jesus means when he says, listen. He wants us to examine. He wants us to think. He wants to think about our relationship to him. Where do we stand in our relationship to Christ? It was great disappointment when one following Christ, singing the songs on Sundays, worshiping Christ, and then walks away from it all. How do you understand that? How do you understand that? So sad. Jesus experienced that. And Jesus tells us how we can understand that. That's because there's the first three kinds of soils. You can't say they lost their faith, but you can say their faith was never real in the first place. Because real faith, true faith, 
you see in the last kind of soil. It was never genuine. The most sad, sad thing is for Christ to say to such people, depart from me. I never knew you. But you know what? The amazing thing here, the amazing thing in this parable is not that people fall away. <laughs> the amazing thing is that people don't fall away. That's the miracle. <laughs> the greatest miracle is the Christ who raises the dead to life, the deaf to hear, the blind to see. He's the one that gives that true, deep faith. It's all him. It's all owing to his grace. He's the one to whom we ought to give thanks. It's the grace of God at work in our lives. That's why harvest is guaranteed. You notice that. That's where the parable ends. The harvest is guaranteed because of Christ's work, his work in our hearts and lives. Praise God that he is working his word in the hearts of his people. All those whom he has elected, all those whom God has given in Christ, will come to faith and they will never fall away. That's our assurance. That's our comfort. And that brings us to the last one. This, the final kind of hearer. Fruitful hearers. We read in verse 8, the celebrating of the remarkable harvest. Jesus says, Other seed fell on the ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And especially the 100-fold, that's an unusually big harvest. If you go back to Genesis 26, 12, there's a reference to Isaac sowing in the land and reaping a hundredfold. And it says there, and the Lord blessed him, and the Lord made him prosperous. In other words, that was a hundredfold is, is a great, great blessing from the Lord. Here we have to understand it spiritually. In spite of all the opposition to the proper hearing of God's word, it's just remarkable how great the grace of God is. And how great the harvest is. According to verse 20, what about the seed that's sown on good ground? Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. When Jesus says here, good ground, don't think of us as good by nature. <laughs> All of us are equally sinful by nature. But good ground means by his spirit, he makes the heart receptive. He makes the heart fertile. He makes the heart wanted. That's the, that's the work of the spirit in us. Apart from the work of the spirit, who would want this? None of us would want this. But it's, it's the work of the spirit that makes us want this. It's the work of the spirit that his word takes root in our hearts. They put the message into practice. And you begin to see something of that fruit, right? The new life. Think of Galatians 5, we read this morning. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Doesn't mean we ever have it to, to the full. No, we're putting them into practice, aren't we? But nonetheless, some of that fruit abides and grows. Jesus says, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. The focus is on abundant fruit, whether it's 30 or 60 or 100, makes Really, that, not much not that difference because it's all abundance, right? It's all a gift of the Lord. Jesus says about them, to them it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. Yeah, by faith they see Christ 
as more than just a man or a good teacher or a good example. They see a king. They see a king who has won a kingdom for them. He sees a, they see a king who has conquered sin, death, and hell for them. They see a king whom they can live for meaningfully, purposefully, whom they give their lives for, giving thanks. They see and perceive. They hear and understand. Again, not our work. None of our work at all. It's the work of God's grace in us by his Holy Spirit. Notice what verse 20 says. They hear, they accept, they bear fruit. These are not in past tenses. This is present tense. This is ongoing. They continue to believe. They continue to hear. They continue to accept. They continue to bear fruit. Unlike the three other kinds of soils or hearers, they persevere, they continue, and they continue to the very end by the grace of God. And why so? Because they're held by the grace of God to the very end. By God's grace, His Spirit softens hearts. By God's grace, we can see beyond the trials in this life, the hardships, the persecutions. Ask those who are losing their faith for the sake of Christ. They see more. They see the greater. Yes, we see something far greater than the riches of this world. Way more. Christ gives way more than what any dollar can buy. Because whatever this world offers, moth and rust destroy, says Jesus. No greater yet, this harvest is the reward to Christ for his work of salvation accomplished on our behalf. Really, that's what it is. This harvest is God's reward to Christ. That's what we take joy in. (laughs) The harvest that he obtained through his death and resurrection, making payment through his perfect sacrifice on the cross for our sins, living the perfect obedient life. And when he said it is finished, God says, here's the harvest. Here they are, right here. Sinners changed by the grace of God. The dead raised to life. There's the harvest. Be all because of the work of Christ his completed work on the cross. One day Christ will gather in his harvest when he returns and all the chaff he will burn with fire. Our Savior, our risen Savior, guarantees an abundant harvest. In the meantime, we live in that time of exciting growth in the kingdom. You see how the word is taking root in the hearts of many people and many nations around the world. We can be encouraged. It's a time for sowing this life-giving seed. So important to be in church. That's where Jesus speaks to us in a very special way. So important to be attentive. So important to spread the word to others. I think it's really, really important, especially for us as parents, to make this a real priority in the lives of our children. The call of parents to sow the seed. The seed of God's word. So important. Take the time with children, your children. 
Read the Bible to them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Talk with them. Answer their questions. Ask them questions. Nurse and cultivate that heart that God has given to you in your children. Throw the cell phone away for a while. Give it a break. It's such a worldly distraction, that thing. If it becomes a big obstacle, just throw it out. That's okay. Nothing wrong with a cell phone, but if it becomes a big distraction, throw it in the garbage. That's fine. Because what's most important is the sowing of the seed. Pray that the word may spring to life in the hearts of your children. Listen, says Jesus. Listen. And he concludes in verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen closely. Listen carefully. Don't take it for granted. Don't just let it in in one ear and out the other. Listen. Listening takes work. It's hard work. Listening is the kind of work that we need to pray to God even before we come to worship. That he would cultivate within us a sensitivity to his word. It takes prayer. Isaiah says, listen. Listen to me, he says, and I will, I would say, and let your soul delight yourself in abundance. That's really what he's saying. Listen to the word of the Lord and let your soul delight in his abundance. Amen. Amen.